You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5, he's in! Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40, play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look, gets hit, goes down, back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Well, the Seahawks will have two straight weeks on the road, but right now it has been three straight wins, and that makes for some fun conversations and some great weeks at work. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. John, I don't think anybody picked the Seahawks to have a three-game winning streak at any point this year. Probably not, but you know what? The belief in this building was always strong. I remember conversations with Pete Carroll sitting in his office for a story in August, and he had that, you know, it wasn't just uh, I'm confident because I need to be. He really believed in this team, and we're starting to see it come to life here. It's really fun. Last week, we talked about the need to stop the run with the Giants coming into town. They had the second-best record in the NFL, and they were averaging about 174 rushing yards a game. Sunday, they finished with 225 yards of total offense. That Seahawks defense allowing just 78 rushing yards and no run longer than 15 yards. How'd they do it? I mean, it's it's a group effort. When you're talking run defense, it's, you know, starts with the discipline up front because, you know, as we know, one, one person in that front does the wrong thing, and it can make a everybody look bad so starts with discipline but it's also just really good players winning battles making plays guys on the back end cleaning up what one play that really jumped out to me in this game i don't know if you remember this particular one i think it was second quarter it was a toss play to barkley probably the best hole he had all day hit the hole and you're thinking oh no and Diggs comes flying in dives trips him up for a nine yard gain i feel like for four or five weeks this season that's a 50 yarder or a touchdown those huge plays we saw but they cleaned it up, got moved on to the next series, and you know eventually got a punt out of that drive. So they're just doing so many things better right now from the tackling to the guys just winning up front. There's just so many things looking better. You know, I remember a few plays where Barkley was trying to kick it outside and find like an outside running lane, and it was Seahawk after Seahawk. He, he would try to turn the corner, mm-hmm. and there's another guy there to knock him down. He tried to turn it again, and it happened where like three or four guys came and hit him, yeah. and he would either get a yard or get back to the line of scrimmage, and I thought that was really impressive too. Well, and they're setting that edge so much better. Yes. I mean, that was a lot of those big runs we saw in the year where, where runs bouncing outside or the outside linebacker was out of position or just getting beat. And part that's part of why we saw Boye Mafe move into the starting lineup, and they're they're keeping Daryl Taylor more in those pass rush roles. Bruce Irvin's been a big part of that, and you know Chen has been great all year. And those guys are really making it harder for those runs to go outside. When you try to run inside on guys like Al Woods, Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, that's tough sledding. Well, it is now. It was not at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, and we keep talking about kind of the change that they underwent up front. I don't think it's as much of a change as people think. It is. It is does make a difference. Yeah. You know, I don't want to to minimize that. Yeah, but they didn't overhaul the defense. They did not they? overhaul the defense. In fact, it is the difference between one step, mm-hmm. and it is the difference between is your first step to the side, is it a lateral step, or is it a step forward? It's amazing how much difference that makes. Because when you hear those guys talk about being aggressive, mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about, yeah. right? It's and not, it takes away a little of the decision-making. Yeah, it's not the react and read. It's more the just attacking. And players love that. I mean, players like to play aggressive. I, 
one more thing on that Giants game. I remember when we did our keys to the game, and I said, let's keep them to about 120 rushing yards, not get greedy. <laughs> they held them to 78. No, You should have gotten really I should have been greedy. I didn't think that was a realistic ask, but they, they proved me wrong. Well, and Saquon Barkley, just 53 rushing yards on 20 carries. It's not like they didn't try to exactly. give him the ball, but at the same time, the Seahawks did a good job of trying to force Daniel Jones to throw the ball, and the end result was he was sacked five times. We haven't seen that type of effort from so many different guys. Actually, I take that back. We saw two weeks ago. We did see that effort (laughs) a couple of weeks ago. But to see it from some of those guys like um, Mafe getting in there for another one and Puna getting in there and Cody Barton has definitely looked different in the last couple weeks. Yeah, these changes they made have really helped him. I think he's just playing more confident. You know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing for a guy sometimes to maybe get off the field a little bit more. And they've been playing a ton of nickel in part because of Kobe Bryant. That might be helping Cody a little bit, just being a little more fresh and being in better situations that help highlight his skills. But yeah, he's he's been much better. I mean, every I mean, just about everybody's been better. Yes, and now you can finally, I think, kind of buy into the hype. And I'm going to use Jordan Brooks's words because remember last week we talked about he wasn't really going to jump on board. He knew that improvements had been made, but until you slow down that team and prove that you can stop one of the best rushing attacks in the league, it wasn't going to be enough to say that they had arrived. And Clint Hurd is never going to say that that defense has arrived, but it is fitting that the Seahawks are playing the Cardinals this week because this is really where that defensive turnaround started with Clint Hurt at the helm of that defense. I think he's done a magnificent job of, of keeping it together and, and uh, you know, holding holding mentality, you know, in a position where we could take advantage when we start to make a move. And uh, it's not surprising. He, he's such a, he's such a big part of this program and, and uh, a big voice for us and all of that. I keep saying big because he's huge, but... Uh, <laughs> He did. A, he really, really did a nice job, I and mean, that it was noticeable. And and um, guys were wondering. They were wondering, you know, where's this going? You know, and, and, and me too. We were all thinking that we we got to get this thing rolling. And and we all just kind of put our heads together and 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 uh, and stayed together and stayed connected. And, and now we're, we're we're on the other end of it and trying to really build something big. Yeah, you know, kind of Pete said like. You're all wondering what the, what's going to happen here. You changed I mean, they made some big strokes this offseason they've really never done in terms of changing how they play defense. Obviously, they changed coordinators. And, you know, it's funny, Clinton Hurt was asked about what, what the early struggles were like. And I, I think his words were he was frustrated and pissed off because, like, this is, you know, this is his livelihood. And he goes out there, and if the defense looks bad, it's going to hurt him. So I'm sure there's a little pressure on him. But, man, everyone has responded so well, the coaching staff, the players. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's not like they just turned it around they're playing okay. You look at about any statistical measure, and they've been one of the best defenses in the NFL. I can't speak. One of the best defenses in the NFL these past three weeks and doing it, as you pointed out, against different styles of offenses, different skill sets, different strengths, and then that's you know another test this week. So here are a couple of numbers to put that into perspective. 14 sacks in the last three games for that Seahawks defense. They have allowed a total of 45 points in the last three games. That goes back to the first meeting against the Cardinals. By comparison, they allowed 134 points in weeks two through five. They lost three of those four games. And really, it was the New Orleans loss that caused some uh Tough words and some tough love in that locker room. Exactly. Yeah, I go back to Ryan Neal was very frank with the media after that game. And that was really, you know, he talked about 
you know, sort of the standard that's been here for all these years and letting those guys down. It's not just we're, you know, kind of embarrassing ourselves and hurting this team. It's this legacy they feel like they have to uphold. And it's just been a really nice collective effort to see these guys bounce back. One of the things we've heard Pete and Clint Hurt talk about this week is the emphasis change on forcing fumbles. Seattle is the best in the league this year at forcing fumbles. Give a lot of credit to Kobe Bryant, the rookie, for kind of making some of those plays happen. But I want to point out that I think this is going to be one of the big keys to the game. If you can hold on to the ball, I mean, it always is, right? If you can hold on to the ball and keep Arizona from it, but Arizona is one of the best teams in the league at creating points off of turnovers. And we saw that. We have seen that a number of times. So you'd like to be the aggressor in that category. But I thought it was interesting to hear kind of how they talked about forcing fumbles now. Yeah, it sounds like they're just, you know, putting a little more emphasis. The thing Pete Carroll pointed out is they don't want to be the team that comes in and tries to punch the ball loose and then the guy keeps running and gets a big gain out of it because you forget to tackle him. So Clint Hurt, if he will go back, watch watch Clint Hurt's press conference. He kind of reenacts the style of play they want as he's explaining it with, you know, you're using one arm to wrap up, another arm to to try to get the ball free. And yeah, they've they've been outstanding at that. Seems like they're knocking the ball loose a couple times every week. So when you think back to that game against Arizona, it was a low point for the Cardinals. While the Seahawks were trending upward, that's the fewest points scored by the Cardinals. There were no offensive touchdowns in that game. Kyler Murray drove them down the field on their opening drive, but all they got was three points out of it. I'm not sure how much you can look at that game compared to this week because there is a Big difference in that wide receiving core with the return of DeAndre Hopkins. He can do everything. You know, he's a, he's a really good ball control type of receiver. He, they can dink the ball in, in around the coverages and fit him into the zones. And he has great feel and awareness and all of that. But he's also a downfield uh, big-time threat because of his ball skills. There's nobody that catches the ball better than him. There's nobody that can make the plays and play on the ball uh, better than than, uh, than DeAndre. And so that means every, we're going to be running with him, and, and he still has the chance to make a play. So it's a big challenge for our guys. It's a great challenge for our guys. Our, our guys are they're looking forward to it because they, they have a lot of respect for him. So you know, we'll see how it goes and where they play him um, we'll show our plan as we get to the to the weekend but um, you know we're going to be checked out and uh, it's it's a good stage challenge for our guys to, to face because he's as good as you get yeah I mean adding a, a star player back to any team is going to help but few teams lean on a playmaker quite like the Cardinals do DeAndre Hopkins two games he's been back from suspension 14 targets 10 catches 103 yards two weeks ago. Then last week, 13 targets, 12 catches, 159 and a touchdown. So he is a huge part of that offense and he's an outstanding player. I'm, you know, it's not going to be an every down thing, but when he's across from Treequill, and I am really looking forward to that matchup because that's two big, fast, really great athletes going at it. Well, and it's not just the individual numbers from DeAndre Hopkins. He has sparked this offense in a very noticeable way because the Cardinals have scored 68 points and eight touchdowns over the last two weeks. You start having DeAndre out there to distract defenses, and it really opens other stuff up. And again, I thought this was an interesting point. You have seen quarterbacks target Tariq Woolen less. Now, he had an interception against Kyler Murray in that week six matchup, but to be able to stay in the game, Mm-hmm. He wasn't targeted until late last week against yeah. the Giants. I then think he he's going to I think yeah, I think he's going to get early action, but I also think he's proven that that he's got that the right focus and approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we saw that even going back obviously the 
Tariq Wollen comparisons to Richard Sherman will always be there, but that was a big thing early in Richard Sherman's career. Is he had to adjust to, it didn't happen quite this fast, but you know, his, his rookie year and then kind of that first full season 2012, he was getting a lot of targets and a lot of interceptions. And then teams were like, eh, let's just stop throwing that way. And, you know, again, it's early in Wollen's not to that level yet, but he's already starting to get some of that treatment of teams are just like, is it worth throwing at that giant six, four guy with the super long wingspan and, it's really it's it's visually intimidating for a quarterback. If that guy stays close to a player, you don't want to thread that in there. But when you got DeAndre Hopkins, I think you you consider that play still. Yeah, I am really curious to see what that matchup looks like. And oh, by the way, there is zero doubt as to where he ranks right now among rookies and among DBs because he's taken home an award for his play in the month of October, which is unbelievable. Just when you think about the way that he was described before the season starts, and what he's doing right now. But he's not the only rookie who's doing that, John. No, it's been a heck of a year for this whole rookie class. And as we saw this morning, Tariq Woolen and Kenneth Walker were named Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Month for the NFL, not just the NFC. First time that, that award's been around since 1996, They've there's never been teammates getting it in the same month. And it, to me, the, the amazing thing about that isn't just these two doing it, but you look at Okay, Seahawks rookies in October. You've got two offensive tackles playing every snap, playing really well. You've got a nickel cornerback who forced three fumbles, 27 tackles, two tackles for a loss. You've got an outside linebacker in Boye Mafe who's helped turn that defense around, had a sack last week. And then you have the two rookies of the month on top of all that. So it's it's just wild what they're getting out of this rookie class. Well, and you have a quarterback who is playing better than he has ever played in his career, or we should say more consistently than he has in his career. Yep, and now Geno Smith is your NFC Offensive Player of the Month for October, which well-deserved. Team went 4-1. and one. He put up great numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like we talk about Geno Smith every week and just what an amazing story this is for him to, to come out and seize this opportunity and play like he is. But it's, I mean, this team is, there's so much to be excited about and there's fun storylines every week coming out of it and guys playing their butts off and succeeding. It's great. A lot of firsts for this team, especially the rookies. And it is another first this week as it will be the first time that they will play an opponent twice in the same year. I mean, you go back to college stuff. They didn't do this in college. It's probably been like peewee football was the last time they played the same team twice in a year. And it does present a unique challenge. It is the first time for most of these guys to ever play a team twice in, in a year for the young guys. And uh, there's a there's an approach to that that I'm not going to share with you. But uh, but there it's it's it is it's uh, there's a uniqueness to that. And, and uh, we want to make sure that we take advantage of every aspect of that. They see us, too. I mean, we you know, we don't have any uh, leg up on, on that regard. But um, how we handle it, the decisions that we make, the way the plan is adjusted and all that uh, and the way they'll adjust their stuff like they always do. Um, it, it makes for a, it's a different preparation. I wanted it to be unique. I didn't want it to be like, okay, we know these guys and you know we, we, we played them before. I want to make sure that we start all over again and we're really fresh with it in, in general. So uh, that's how we're going about it. Um, but it is, it's, it's, I think it's an important point. I think one reason we see, you know, you always hear about division games being so close is these teams do, you know, obviously when they play twice in a month, it's even more exaggerated, but they know each other. They know tendencies. They know, you know, outside of coaching changes, there's only so much you can do new and change. And, you know, you're not going to overhaul a team week to week. So they know each other well. And so it becomes just a little, you know, self-scouting little tendencies you might have shown, just little adjustments, but you're not going to blow it out of the water. And sometimes that then just becomes, okay, who goes out and executes best? Because we're not going to trick them. 
we're not going to, you know, show them things they've never seen before, but we're just going to try to go out there and say our guys are better than theirs. Well, and the other part of it is it's not just DeAndre Hopkins that is new to that Cardinals offense. When you look at that matchup and what happened in week six, really, you've got so many different players. You acquired another wide receiver, and you've had injuries on that offensive line for the Cardinals to the point where they are huddling more now than they ever have under Cliff Kingsbury. And it has been a little bit more of a challenge to get the plays in. If you read the stuff coming out of Arizona, there's a lot of frustration that's built over the last couple of weeks. Kyler Murray is now wearing a wristband. He's consulting it. They're running out of time. They're calling timeouts at inopportune times. I, I, there's some, I, I think maybe some communication things that you can take advantage of, but certainly it points back to this will not be the same matchup at, yeah. at any part. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's gonna, I, I keep going back to Hopkins too. I mean that to your point earlier, it's not just him getting the ball. It, it kind of tilts the whole field when you have, you know, we see it with DK Metcalf all the time of teams shift coverage that way. It changes how many guys are in the box and their run game. I mean, there's a different opponent and everything else, but you look at, they're running backs trying to run the ball against Seahawks. They didn't do much of anything. They go out the next week, and you know Benjamin has a big game against the Saints. They've run the ball a lot better the last two weeks, and I, I think Hopkins has a lot to do with that. It just changes how you play defense. We have talked so much about the defensive side of the ball. I want to go back to something that we saw from the offense on Sunday. It was the Tyler Lockett touchdown drive, right? The, mm-hmm. the drive that was capped by that touchdown. And I go back to what Tyler said last week in the offense just takes what the defense gives them. And that could mean that it's a quick strike offense and you were driving down the field in a couple plays, or it could mean that they're going to grind it out and use the clock. I thought that was a great example because I remember Steve and Dave on the radio broadcast saying, hey, we could put together a nine-minute drive right here, which the Seahawks have done. That would Mm -hmm. have eaten up the rest of the time on the clock. But they didn't. They needed some momentum in their favor. It was a pretty quick strike drive. Yeah, five plays, just boom, boom, boom. It was exactly what they needed, and I just think you're seeing such an evolution of this offense. It is it is balanced, but I don't think opponents can guess what they're going to do. No, and I mean, you, to your point of taking what defense gives you, we saw two great examples of that just a few plays apart. If you go to the beginning of that drive, there's a play where they bring all sorts of pressure. Geno Smith sees it, does a smart thing, dumps it off to Marquise Goodwin. Not a big gain, but... You know, safe play, you get some yards instead of potentially taking a sack. That's the, okay, we're going to take the safe play, what they give us. End of the drive, we see the aggressive side of it of, we know that Adoree Jackson keeps sitting on this route. He's being really aggressive. Let's get him with a double move. And they did it. They made an adjustment at the line of scrimmage because they saw that coming and they nailed a big play and got the touchdown. So it's, you know, like you said, it taking what they give you can be safe plays. It can be going for the home run. And what it's resulted in is the Seahawks winning three straight games, all of them by 10 points or more. I mentioned this to Pete Carroll on Monday. He didn't put a whole lot of stock in it, but I think we can talk about the point for just a few seconds here. According to the NFL, the league has had a record number of games decided by six points or less this year. There have been 55 of those games, and there have been 71 games decided by eight points or less. That's a crazy number. And Seattle's bucking the trend. I know, but (laughs) Seattle's bucking the trend. Again, this is just one of those things you wouldn't have expected from the Seahawks. No, I mean, they're notorious for winning a bunch of close games. I mean, I think all these years of even when they've been really good, they've been winning a bunch of close games. And yet, 
it's been a bunch of double digit wins lately and you know even even the 19 to 9 game which is pretty low scoring it felt they felt pretty in control of that game cuz the cardinals just weren't moving the ball their one touchdown came on special teams and uh yeah i mean it's it just goes to show this team is not squeaking by they're they're playing really well and they're they look very legit right now and the Cardinals have not been winning games at home, which could bode well for the Seahawks. But anytime you get to go to see some sunshine in the middle of fall, it's a pretty good thing. As we pause for just a second for words from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. John, I'm a little bit upset about this trip. Uh Uh-oh. Did you not look at the weather for this trip? I mean, it's still going to be like 70 degrees. Barely. Well. And like 45 at night. So Uchenna Nuosu and I were talking, and he's already looking ahead to Germany. That's a whole different story. And, uh, And I was saying, look, I'm just bummed about the weather in Arizona. He goes, what are you talking about? It's going to be 70, kind of to your point. And I said, look, here's the thing. It's not going to be as sunny or as warm as I'd like it to be. And once you are here for any length of time, Uchenna, you will understand how important this trip is for us, for (laughs) us in the Northwest, to go for a run in the sun. You can go for a run. Bring a long sleeve shirt. You'll be okay. I'm I will. Just irritated. I'm Come sorry. I'm it's sorry. been like 80 degrees up until the day that we get there. As long as it's not raining, I I just don't want to be like the Super Bowl when we go down there for the Super Bowl and it that rained all week. Also, that was a that, bummer. That whole week was pretty irritating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about 70 degrees and sunny. And the 45 you're talking about is like 5 a.m. Are you going to be up then? I don't know. Maybe. Right. Well, less likely now. <laughs> like. What is there to do if it's going to be 45 degrees outside? If I wanted that, I'd just walk outside my own house. Jeez Louise. But it is nice to go. We will, I'm sure, go for a run. There will be some tacos consumed. Definitely tacos. A little place across. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we got going on in Arizona. Next week, we are going to be in Munich, and we are going to bring you a live edition of the Seahawks Insiders podcast. But before we wrap up, Two things you need to see on Sunday, John. Well, we talked a lot about Hopkins, and for good reason. I, you know, I'm really looking forward to see how you know the Seahawks cornerbacks have been really good all year, but they haven't. I don't know if they've played somebody quite as good as him yet. So, let's you know try to keep him from his double-digit catches and triple-digit yards this week. You know, again, we're not going to overshoot. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're not going to give me like a number number? No, no. I, oh, okay. I wasn't I'm done. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So oh, much like geez. the Giants in their rushing game, I don't want to be greedy. So let's call it, keep them under 80 yards and okay. keep them at, and seven or fewer catches. Is that? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, All right. Yeah. I like it. It is definitely a stretch goal, I think, on the seven or fewer catches. Yeah. And then offensively slash special teams take care of the ball. As you said, they're great at scoring off turnovers. That's kind of been the one thing. The CX have done so much well, but the one way they've kind of let opponents stay in games recently, you had the fumble in the game or the game here against Arizona. You had a turnover last week. So, you know, just keep keep the ball safe, and I think you're going to be able to control this game. 
I would like to see Geno Smith throw for two. No, excuse me, three. We're going to give him a stretch goal. Three touchdowns. He only needs one to set a new career high for passing touchdowns in a season. I'd like to see him exceed that mark. And going to the turnovers, I'd like Seattle to force three of them. Arizona's been turning the ball over a lot lately. Three last week in Sunday's loss to Minnesota. So let's see if the Seahawks defense can capitalize on that. That's what we've got for you this week. Heading into the matchup against Arizona, we'll be back with you next week to break down what happened against the Cardinals and bring you all the sights and sounds from Munich. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.